This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 200 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. On the occasion of this, our 200th episode of the Recorded Future podcast, we welcome back our very first guest, Robert M. Lee, CEO of industrial control system security company Dragos. They recently published their 2020 ICS Security Year in Review report, and Rob joins us to share some of the insights he and his team have gained over the past year, as well as the long-term security trends they're tracking. Stay with us. I started my career in the U.S. Air Force side of the house, but spent most of my time over the National Security Agency. While there, I ended up building out the U.S. government's mission, looking at various state actors breaking into industrial sites around the world. Um, Enjoyed my time there, spent most of my time on the defense, a little bit of time on the offense. Uh, And then when I left, uh, or like as I was leaving, I jumped out to SANS because I was pretty passionate about uh, growing the workforce and and thinking about how people need to be a major portion of that. Um, so I built the ICS 515 class at SANS, which is the monitoring and incident response class for industrial control. And I also built the Forensics 578, which is cyber threat intelligence um, class there. So a lo- lot of fun. Um, but basically what I saw was um, when people were trying to approach OT security, a lot of it was thinly veiled, copy and pasted IT security controls into the plant. And we have different threats, different missions, different focuses, different risks. It it's just not, can't be copy and paste stuff. Um, and uh, when I, re- I ended up leading up the investigation into the 2015 Ukraine attack, which was the first ever cyber attack to take down electric power anywhere, and the output was people were talking about security controls from IT and patching and stuff that had nothing to do with the attack. And long story short, uh, at a very selfish desire from myself and my son to have lights and water when he grows up, um, I said, <laughs> you know, we, we need to make a company, let's make a company focus on OT security and show what right looks like. Let's take an approach to try to build out the community while we do it. Um, but we'll be a technology company that does, you know, kind of visibility and monitoring and industrial networks. But let's keep it informed by having an Intel team and a services team that does things like instant response and hunting and so forth. So that was kind of how we all brought it together. We started in 2016 and uh, we're a little over 250 or 60 folks now and uh, keep growing and uh, having fun. When you started Dragos, I mean, what, was anyone else really paying attention to the space in, in the way that, that you felt it, it required? No. Um, I think there's a lot of good people trying to tackle the problem in their way. Um, but but, but I, I fundamentally disagreed with the strategy that some were trying to take. So there was an emerging ICS security market, probably 2013, 2012, 2013 timeframe, we started seeing some players into the space. And... A lot of their focus was just help me get an inventory or help me know the, the configuration management of what's in my industrial environment. And those are very useful products. Um, but I, I disagreed with the approach of let's just, uh, when we have that, we'll just use machine learning to highlight anomalies. And if they're anomalies, then you guys can figure it out. Um, and mm. that, that was never going to get you into understanding threats and responding to them or so forth. And so while our company also does visibility and help people understand what they have in their environment, it's really the starting ground to then also be able to search for threat behaviors and how to respond to it and so forth. Or said differently, I, I didn't think any of the companies were, that's not true. I, I think I thought some of them were malicious. I didn't think most of them were malicious. Most of them were doing it with well intention. But I, I, I firmly believe that 
none of them had had the experience of kind of going the journey. Um, and and uh, I wanted to make sure there was an option in the community uh, for folks that thought like us, which was, yeah, we got some challenges today, but the, the journey ahead of us is the real challenge, especially we start talking ICS-specific focus threats. Well, for folks who aren't in that world, I mean, how do you describe those specific ICS-focused threats? So what are some of the things that in the ICS world are different from those who are you know, doing cybersecurity in a corporate environment, for example? Yeah. And, you know, when we look at OT or ICS, it is very common for an IT security professional, very well-intentioned to come in and go, oh, that's just a Windows system that's running that Q machine interface. It's Let's patch it, let's put antivirus on it, let's put strong authentication on it, whatever, like, I'm good. And the reality is, that the way that I like to think about it is, enterprise security often, and this is a broad generalization, but often is a combination of things like data security and system security. I want to protect the system, I want to make sure the adversary can't elevate privileges on it, get access to it, compromise it, etc. I'm going to patch it to make sure that doesn't happen. I'm going to um, uh, use encryption on my data, I'm going to have strong passwords, etc., etc., etc. System and data security. In industrial security, it's systems of system security. It's not that I can compromise one system and do anything. It's how can I interact with the U-machine interface to open up a valve and, and, and modify the control. Um, and it's also a physics challenge. What is the physics? What can be done in these environments? How is electric power generated? How is it done? How it, what keeps the rail system from having an unsafe event? And, and so, you know, very broadly stated... There's a lot of native functionality in those environments, and it's not that it's insecure. It's just native functionality of exactly what the operators need to do to interact with physics. Uh, and that native functionality provides a larger ability for the adversary to do maliciousness than the necessity for malware or vulnerabilities or exploits. I'm not saying there isn't ICS malware. There, there, there are. Um, but the um, overall reality is, is the threats are different. The mission is different. The risks are different. The systems are broadly different. Not everything is an endpoint and so forth. Um, and so if the mission, threats, risks, et cetera, are all different, then I don't know that the security strategy can be the same. Hmm. What about the culture? Differences there as well, right? Big time. Um, and so you know those operators that are keeping the plant running and going and so forth, you know, they've got commitments um, for real-time operations oftentimes They've got commitments about availability and re- resilience and safety. Um, they've got legal requirements around safety and environmental protections. And so the idea that you're going to come in and potentially disrupt that or slow that down or et cetera, when they're already working well over 12-hour days and similar to like patch a vulnerability when they don't even understand the risk and very often there's not risk on most of the vulnerabilities like there is in IT, 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 it causes a lot of culture clash. I mean, there's been more... Power systems brought down by IT than China, Russia, and Iran combined. So mm. it, it, it's just how do we go in empathetically and understand their mission? How do we jointly agree on what the risks are? And then how we put in solutions to address those risks while we provide some other value as well. A good example is even for the customers that we have that understand that threats are real and they care about it, they understand that these are low frequency events. You know, in, in enterprise security, you have high frequency, low impact events, tons of phishing emails, tons of scans, et cetera. But mm. you know, not not very often is one of those gonna like kill people at your site or or do something like majorly impactful. Um, but in ICS, we have low frequency, high impact events. Now nah, we're not gonna get compromised all that often, I hope. Uh, we're not gonna see targeted adversaries as often, though it does happen more than people realize. 
But when it happens, it's literally life on the line, core intellectual property for the entire existence of that company, et cetera, stuff that we're dealing with. So how do you provide value in the meantime as well? So again, even though we, we like to focus a lot on detection response because we care about, we provide a lot of focus on, hey, here's the visibility you need to even understand your systems and keep them more well-maintained and um, operations value and similar. And so the, the way you approach the problem in the mission and the culture is definitely just different. Is there a Rosetta Stone? Is, is there a common, th- a common element that you can use as, as a point of departure to bring the IT and OT folks together? It is the mission. Like when we come in and we talk about any discussion, it's cool. What are you in the mission here for? What is, what is the mission? And when you realize the mission isn't the email server, but it's that the power is getting produced or that the rail lines online or the pharmaceutical you know, vaccines are going out, et cetera, um, you can align on, okay, then what's critical to the mission? Let's look at that. What is the actual requirement? Because too often people look at requirements in the framework of like NIST cybersecurity framework or NERC SIP or something else. And it's like, look, hold on. No, 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 no. Those are abstractions, and we're talking about security requirements, backup. Security isn't the mission. Security is there to complement the mission. What is the mission? What are we in business for? Now let's look at the ways that we can better enable that. Some of it's going to be security, some of it's not, and you kind of come together and do that. You and your team at Dragos uh, recently released uh, your your most recent annual industrial control system cybersecurity review. This is for 2020. Um, first of all, what, what prompts the creation of the report every year? Yeah, I, when I looked at, you know, when I was starting out in industrial control system security, there was not really any actual data set to get started with. It was a lot of anecdotal insights. And, oh, I heard one time at this plant, this guy had this. Or I heard one time this gal had this. And and it led to people being able to say almost anything they wanted to. And the hype was you know, palpable on, oh, there's all these threats. And like there's not like 500,000 cyber attacks, calm down. Um, and Or it led to the opposite of, ah, oh, there's no such thing as ICS-specific threats. And there's kind of these extremes formed and anecdotals informed, you know, experience formed. And if you really just wanted to get like data-driven kind of answers, it was very, very difficult to do. Um, and if they existed, it cost a lot of money, and there were you know like whole things that people would try to sell you, but then weren't open to any sort of public analysis as well. And I was inspired kind of mid-career by you know the kind of the M Trends reports from Mandiant, the, especially the Verizon DBIR report. Like I thought these were just good reports of like sharing knowledge out to the community. I said, look, we, we've got an opportunity. We're, we are the ones that get called in. You know, we're not just a technology provider. We get called in all these service engagements and instant response cases and stuff. I think we're probably the, the team most people turn to. Um, and we have these, uh, we're the only team that's like tracking the ICS specific threats. Like, okay, let's, let's share those insights. And so about four years ago, um, we created them and uh, it was extremely well received, far more than we could have hoped for. And what I saw, even in like a year's time frame, is the security professionals at the power manufacturing, you know, water companies, et cetera, were able to take our reports as a public document, go to their leadership and say, look, we don't forget the assessment for a second. Here are the insights that they have across the community. Here's the no kidding facts, the data. This is what's happening. And there are, we're very proud of this, but there are industrial security programs that now exist. And there's people that have been welcomed in the community because hiring got open for it and training and workforce development happened and et cetera that can be mapped directly 
to the year in review reports. And people share those insights with us all the time of, hey, we only even are doing this because of the 2017 report or 16 report or whatever else. And so it's just so much fun to be able to put together kind of a data-driven report, make it out and available to the community. And some people will find value in different sections of it. You know, Some might find the whole thing. But, but either way, it's a, no kidding, here's the data, here's what's actually happening. It's not a point of view. It's not a, here's the marketing. It's not a, here, go buy our product. It's, here's the top recommendations on what we see and the data back it up. Well, let's go through the 2020 report together. What are some of the things that stand out to you? Well, I think the first highlight that we put on the the website um, um, piece of it. So there's a whole report, but we kind of um, have like this interactive website this year. Um, the the first one that probably isn't a shocker to security professionals, but is incredibly useful outside of that circle, is that it's extremely limited or no visibility at all in OT environments. And when you look at things like even on the hills of like solar winds. There is an expectation and understanding that's incorrect amongst many of our, you know, infrastructure owners, Congress, anybody, that we are doing a ton of work in industrial security. And they think that because there's been a lot of projects over the years, there's been a lot of regulation and compliance stuff, but actually what's taken place is a lot of preventative work. And so the the security strategies that most people adopt, especially for ICS, is prevention-based. Segment it from the internet, firewalls, patching, antivirus, et cetera. Even if it's the wrong controls, you know, it doesn't matter. It's extraordinarily prevention based. And when you get into having to understand, is that prevention still at the same state that it is? Are the firewall rules fine? Or, hey, is there anything happening in here? Are there new assets in the environment? Is there remote connections I didn't know about? Is the controllers online? You know, all that kind of stuff is visibility and detection, and they don't have it. And so what we found in 2019. Um, was that 81% of the people that were coming to us um, had limited or no visibility at all. In 2020, we found 90%. And so it looks like, oh, the community's kind of slipped backwards 9%. I, I think it's a, a bit of a bias on kind of the, the folks that are coming to us, where the people that were coming to us in 2018 and 2019 were probably a little bit more early adopters in the community. ICS security is pretty much a broad discussion now, and people are, are all over the community are coming to us to engage us. And and again, from a security professional standpoint, go, yeah, of course, if they're going to drag us, like they probably don't have visibility in, into the networks yet. Like, duh. But to actually go talk to your executives and talk to the others and go, hey, like 90% uh, of the people that engage with them at all don't have this. We're probably in that same boat is a real eye opener for a lot of people outside the security community to realize that we're not in a place yet to fully know what's happening in those environments or to be able to detect and respond to anything, um, and that a prevention-only strategy is probably not going to work. Help me understand, when we say we don't have visibility, what are we talking about here? Um, nothing. So no logging, no asset inventory, no monitoring, no traffic analysis, nothing. So, all right, but when I imagine an ICS uh, environment, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the person, uh, you know, in the master control room at the, at the power plant or something like that. You know, someone standing in front of a, a wall full of racks that has lots of blinking lights, buttons, switches, and dials, right? <laughs> um, so I guess what I'm looking for is you to tell me how far off am I on that? And, and do those buttons, blinking lights, switches, and dials Aren't they providing feedback on what's going on all over the plant? Ah, good. No, that's a good separation, though. So that's that's one type. You know, that's 
that's probably a representation like those panel boards would be like SCADA and oftentimes in like electric power pipelines and water. There's also a lot of industrial sites that would be more distributed control systems, which are more localized and, and similar. But either way, you're right. The, and that's a good clarification that we're talking about cybersecurity. From a mm. plant operations perspective, your operators do have a lot of visibility into kind of the process, if you will, and they have a lot of feedback points like data historians and SCADA alarms and similar to say, hey, the valve is open, the valve's closed, et cetera. So there's a lot of visibility into like what is the plant doing and how is it operating. But when you get into how it's all connected in the network and you start talking about the security aspects of it, they don't have anything below that. And so it's not uncommon for, uh, well, first of all, it's not uncommon for that environment to change and they have no idea. Or some vendor comes in and connects up a wireless access point, now they're directly connected to the internet. Or mm. uh, they had a firewall, but it had any any rule in it, and communication has been coming in and out. Or an OEM, an original equipment manufacturer, is coming in outside their contract hours and making control logic changes to the system when they're not supposed to. Or uh, the software does wrong, the HMI reads wrong, and you have a voltage shift across a major portion of the infrastructure. You have no idea what actually happened because you don't actually know what commands were sent across the network. So they they might have visibility. Usually have visibility in kind of their operations, the network and kind of host and everything else visibility that would help for cybersecurity is completely absent. I see. Okay. No, I'm I'm glad I asked. That's an interesting uh, distinction there. What are some of the other things that stood out then? What What are some of the things you want people to take away from the report? Yeah, I think you know another one um, that I thought was interesting is 100 percent of our incident response cases involve shared credentials for lateral movement. Um, and and generally, a big problem was lack of separation between IT and OT user management. So, you know, it, it goes into the land of IT security here, but it's an important IT security component. I'm not saying no IT security is useful in ICS. Um, what we see is like domain controllers and Active Directory as an example, where an Active Directory or domain controller is being shared between the enterprise and the plant, and an adversary compromises the IT or the enterprise domain controller and just rides that sucker down in the plant. A lot of ransomware cases have taken down plants this year as well, based off of that. Um, and uh, and in 2020, 100% of our incident response cases also um, happened where the adversary accessed the ICS from the internet, where either they accessed it directly from the internet or once in the ICS, they were getting back out through the internet. And the reason that's interesting is a lot of enterprise security teams think well, you have to come through the enterprise to get to the ICS and vice versa. So we just monitor the enterprise. Naturally, we're going to see stuff that comes in and out of the ICS. That's not actually true. There's a lot of other connections and integrations and similar that go out to vendors and access points and remote access software and so forth. So there's a lot of stuff happening down in there. I usually like to joke around that it's kind of like Schrodinger's ICS. There's a lot of stuff happening in there. We just don't look in the, the box to see if the cat's alive. Uh, and, our, <laughs> and our data will support from the incident response cases that... Uh, lateral movements happening a lot, shared credentials happening a lot, and internet access directly to the ICS is happening a lot. And by a lot, I mean 100% of the time. Looking at, at the big picture, I mean, the, the, that you've been doing this report for multiple years now, what are some of the long-term trends that you're tracking? Yeah, long-term trends probably relate to kind of the recommendations. Um, number one, consistently, is around network visibility. That That sounds biased because obviously we're in that business, but... Um, everything starts there. The, the ability to tune the preventions that you have, the ability to get to detection, the ability to get to response, et cetera, all of that depends on actually knowing what the hell is in your network and how it's connected. Um, so 
Uh, yeah, number one isn't to increase OT network visibility. Number two recommendation is to identify and prioritize crown jewels. So like what's actually important to you? When we think about an oil company as an example, they might have a, a wellhead that generates enough oil to generate a thousand dollars a day off of that. You know, that's probably not valuable enough um, to do all the security efforts on. And and so, but maybe they've got a refinery that's generating, you know, a million dollars an hour in value. Yeah, there's probably a lot of value in protecting that. Um, and so don't try to boil the ocean. Figure out what's the top you know, 25, 30% of your assets that matter. And I don't mean network assets now. I mean like plants and sites. Because each one of them are going to have their own networks and similar. It's not like there's an enterprise network. It's it's there's an industrial network kind of for each one of these locations. Um, and so I would identify and prioritize those sites. And then in those sites, what matters? Like a safety system matters more than just a, a normal engineering system. Number three would be the boost the incident response capabilities. We still find, uh, and this is of the people who are already calling us in for proactive incident response work. And so these are already mature clients to start with, that 42% of the IR service engagements discover that the organizations did not have suitable incident response plans, and 75% of them had difficulty with declaring a cyber incident. And so the, the IR plans that they have are usually an enterprise IR plan, and there's like a paragraph or something about ICS or like call the plant manager or something else. And it's, compl- it's woefully underprepared. Um, and, and we usually recommend to boost that capability. Usually start with something like a tabletop exercise with your operations and IT staff together and go through a scenario and how would it unfold and who actually is on point. Um, number four would be validating the network segmentation. Um, a lot of companies have depended on the strategy of network segmentation. That, that is not a good strategy anymore. But if you are still depending on that, Especially in the short term, like go validate it. Eighty-eight percent of our engagements found improper network segmentation, so it wasn't effective for people. Um, I, and what I mean by that too is, all these plants used to think, "Well, if we just stay off the internet, we'll be okay." The reality is, the digital transformation is taking place at a, a fast scale, which largely just means hyper connectivity. These plants are getting connected up more and more in a cloud and infrastructure and OEMs and integrators than ever before. And a segmented off strategy is 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 failing quickly. And so it's not that it was a bad idea before, but it's you must get a better strategy going forward, but at least for now, validate the one you have. Uh, And then lastly, yeah, the separation of IT and OT credential management. I should not have, if it's reasonable to maintain, a domain controller in the enterprise that is also the domain controller for my critical plant safety systems or, 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 you know, operation systems. So those are the kind of like five big trends we see year to year. And we, we pulled out again this year. Our thanks to Robert M. Lee from Dragos for joining us. You can find the 2020 ICS Year in Review on the Dragos website. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. 